There's an online magazine called Jezebel, and in that magazine, there was an article written by Hortense, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her name correctly, Hortense Smith, and she says, my four-year-old nephew recently entered the front door wearing a fireman's hat, a Lightning McQueen shirt, and a pair of my niece's Disney princess shoes carrying a purse filled with matchbox cars. I like it. She said to him, you're a thesis. Yeah, somebody to learn from, to understand. I was taught growing up that men did not wear pink. So I wore pink today. Pink shirt, socks, belt, underwear, it's all pink today. It wasn't so much a a verbal command not to wear pink, it was an implied. Men don't wear pink, men don't wear bracelets, necklaces. And so when I was 15, I bought a necklace. Uh, It was kind of a hippie thing to do when I was 15. It just did not go well at the preacher's house in which I was raised. And I didn't bring with me today, but I got it over there. Denise, will you hand me my black bag? Years ago, I started uh, carrying a man bag. (laughs) And you would just be amazed at how many looks I have been getting with this man bag. How many times I wish I had a nickel for every time somebody commented on my purse. And the more negative and the more critical and the more sarcastic remarks I got, the more flamboyant (laughs) I wanted to become. I don't really even need the bag anymore. I just like to carry it now. (laughs) But uh, I do carry a lot of medicines in there for uh, obvious reasons. We just have such... uh, issues over what is masculine and what is feminine. Now, where do you think this idea came that pink is for girls and blue is for boys? Where do you think that originated? Well, hasn't it always been that way? Not necessarily. There was a trade magazine called Earnshaw, and uh, What they said, this is all the way back in 1918. The generally accepted rule is pink for the boys, 1918. And blue for the girls. Pink is more suited for the boy. While blue, which is more delicate and dainty, is prettier for the girl. Wow. 1927, Time Magazine. Oh, this is one of the things that uh, came with that magazine article. And that trade magazine, for your birthday, birthday greetings and wishes, true for the best of birthday joys for you, the girl in blue, the boy in pink. In 1927, Time magazine had a chart listing some of the major department stores in the country and what they, each department store recommended, the color for boys and the color for girls. But somewhere along the line... It switched to, it was just right for boys to wear blue and for girls to wear pink. A lot of historians think it goes back to Mamie Eisenhower, Dwight Eisenhower's wife. She loved pink and she decorated the White House, almost every room in pink, so much pink that reporters began to call the White House the Pink Palace. And so that just caught on, a lot of historians think, in the country, and pink became associated with girls and blue with boys. 
But it makes me ask the question. I don't have an answer to the question. It does make me ask the question, though, how much of our view of gender is culturally conditioned? If pink was the color for boys in 1918, what switched? And how many other views of gender do we have that are similar to the color pink or blue? It's just shaped by, and we have turned what a culture's view of gender is into some kind of a moral, concrete truth. I don't know the answer to that, but I think it's worth considering the question. So since it is Father's Day, let's think about our perception of masculinity. Masculinity has been in the news a lot lately. There is a message that is consistently being uh, disseminated and I don't know if it's true or not, but there's this message that masculinity is in danger of extinction. That masculinity is being threatened. I've got some quotes. I have not assigned the person uh, who said these things, because uh, maybe that's not that important. But they are all uh, leaders in our culture today. Men feel that they can't be men. Society is trying to demasculate men. I am making masculinity, I will say that this, it, well, no, you can look it up. <laughs> I am making masculinity a political issue. That is so sad to me. Why would masculinity or any other gender be a political issue? But since that gentleman brought it up as a political issue, uh, one of my favorite resources is the Public Religion Research Institute. And in 2019, they did a survey that said 53% of Republicans think men are being punished for just being men. 23% of Democrats think that men are punished for just being men. 68% of those who watch a particular news network think men are punished for just being men. Fifty-three percent of Republicans say that society has become too soft and feminine. Twenty-six percent of Democrats say that, and seventy-three percent of those who watch that particular news network. Now, what does that tell us? I'm not saying the Republicans are right, the Democrats are right, the persons who watch that news network are right, but it has become political, hasn't it? It also tells me that a lot of our view of right and wrong, a lot of our view of gender issues are shaped by other forces. Unfortunately, what political party or what people in that political party versus this political party might listen to and what they, where they get information and where they get guidance. So my question today is, Regardless of what political party we are and who, for whom we vote and what news program we listen to, we are in a church today, and it's a church that is committed to love, and it's a church that is, has the understanding that this love is so beautifully expressed in the person of Jesus. 
So why not allow our understanding of Jesus, and that may differ too, shape our view of gender? Not a news program, not a political party, but our view of Jesus. So, Joey, if you're still back there somewhere, will you roll out the whiteboard? Thank you. I'm going to tag team it today. So I need your all's help with something. Just shout out for me. What does it mean to be a good man? You're at a funeral and the uh, pastor says about the deceased, he was a good man. What do you think the pastor is talking about? Trustworthy. Anything else? Honest, kind, what was that? Loving, sensitive, gosh, I want to be a good man. Generous, oh my gosh, we keep going. Caring, caring. I like it. Surviving, provider, thank you. And a genuine man, okay. I'm running out of me. Dependable. Dependable. Honorable. And honorable. Okay, I'm going to erase that. I'm asking another question. Those are great qualities for everybody, aren't they? But I get what we're saying. A good man is this. Is this? Yeah, I like it. Okay. Sorry about the booty shake while I'm racing this over here. I love whiteboards. I just wish they would go back to being white after I ride on them. Okay, let's change this from good. What in our culture's understanding is a real man. Like, what, is, what does somebody mean when they say, man up? Tough, strong. Strong, tough, masculine, all right? Tough, strong. What's that? Straight. Straight? I think you're right, though. That's sad, isn't it? Not vulnerable. Not, I can't spell straight. Not vulnerable. Don't cry. Handy. Handy, okay. <laughs> oh, gosh. Hard worker. All right, get the idea? Somehow in our culture, there is a different understanding between a good man and a real man. Joey, thank you so much. Give Joey a hand. He is so multi-talented. So what do we do with this? Culture's understanding of a good man and a real man. I mentioned last week that Denise and I, uh, let's see if the picture's up there, went to see the second Top Gun. And when we got in the car, you know, you always do that with a movie. You kind of say, well, what do you think about it? And what do you think about it? So we said, what do you love about it? And we both love the same thing. 
we both love, there's some good, funny humor in there at times, but we both really love the opening scene. It was the same opening scene as Top Gun 1. There's just something about that Kenny Loggins song. And watching those fighter jets on the, the deck of that uh, ship do that. What do, what do you not like about it? We both did not like the same thing. Early in the movie, Tom Cruise is in the hangar, and uh, he's reading something. And he goes to walk to sit down in a chair. And the way he sits down in it is to swing his leg over and sit down. And just like five seconds later, the camera angle showed that the table that the chair was sitting by was about two feet away from the chair. And it would have been a whole lot easier if Tom Cruise, Maverick, would have just walked between the table and the chair and sat down. But no, he's got to swing his leg over because that's how men sit. And I just thought, really? Is this what this whole movie is going to be like? And it kind of was a bunch of shirtless men out there playing football. I didn't like that part because I can't go shirtless. I can, it's just not a pretty sight. So I had to ask myself, okay, if I want to be a man, is that how I'm going to have to sit down every time? I'm going to go to Metro Grill, where our good friend Pat runs that place, and Sherry, and instead of pulling the chair out and sitting in front, I'm just going to swing my leg over, because <laughs> that's what men do. And so this whole idea of manhood and how men are supposed to act I think we're a little bit confused about that today. I know that we are in our culture. In response to a really powerful article about masculinity, this dad wrote about him and his own son. My son, a high school and college wrestler who achieved much success on the mat, is one of the most sensitive souls I know. But far too often, excuse me, I'm going to get a drink. I'm having a little bit of trouble breathing today. Can you hear that? Can you all hear that? Sorry about that. I'm not going to fall or anything, but uh, I may have to slow down. But far too often, I cheered his masculinity, his fierceness, and his muscles. I should have been cheering his kindness, his empathy, and his innate ability to be gentle. Those emotional qualities are what really make him strong. Boy, this goes so well with the song that the band played this morning. Strong. What does it mean to be strong? In our culture, to be strong mostly meant muscles. And I kind of wish I had more muscles. I'd love to look as good as Tom Cruise on the beach. But I don't. But maybe, maybe we need to redefine strength as this father's understanding. Maybe... Strength is the strength to be vulnerable. The strength to admit that you're wrong and to say that you're sorry and ask for forgiveness. Maybe it's the strength to be empathetic. Maybe it's the strength to ask for help. Those are qualities that typically we do not associate with strength. 
And maybe we've been looking through the, long, the wrong lens. Most of us are not taught that those are masculine qualities. Admitting you're wrong, being vulnerable, and empathetic. The messages that we hear, many of us from young childhood on to the age that I am now, are demeaning, not just to the masculine, to the feminine, and to all genders. Take a look at this video that reviews for some of us uh, what we have heard. Hmm. Many things we also hear from the church, maybe not as bold as some of those things were, but we've heard them anyway. 100 years ago in the 1920s, an evangelist by the name of Billy Sunday said this, Lord, save us from offhanded, flabby, cheeked, brittle, boned, weak kneed, thin skin, pliable, plastic, spineless, effeminate, sissified, three-carat Christianity. Sandy, or Sunday's fear about sissified Christian men was in a culture in which uh, women were getting the vote, in which the androgynous flappers girls were uh, all the rage, in which technology was changing how men were engaged in the workforce. And in these cultural shifts, there was pushback from the religions. Now, we are going through some cultural shifts in our day, 100 years later, about our understanding of gender, what science is teaching us about gender, and what fairness is just teaching us and guiding us to do in gender. And there's a lot of pushback about those change in views. And a lot of people use religion as a weapon to push those views back and to submerge those views. There is a professor of uh, seminaries, Owen, Dr. Owen Strachan. He's a brilliant man and uh, highly educated but he says the gospel of grace takes men who have been softened by the devil and makes them hard, strong, lean, loving, and ferocious in pursuit of God and his glory. Second, or 1 Corinthians 16, 13, act like men. Men aren't soft. Men must be tough in Christ. I don't know what Ryan Reynolds says about that. I'd walk through fire for my daughter. Well, not fire because it's dangerous, but a super humid rube, but not too humid because of my hair. <laughs> yeah, tongue in cheek, but we get the idea. Let's go back to the professor. What does it mean by softness? Is softness not manly? Does softness mean to be gentle? Is it not manly to be gentle? Is it not manly to cry every once in a while? Or all the time? 
as in some people's cases, is. One of my favorite authors of the past in my uh, life in the Southern Baptist world and in a previous church is a guy named Steve Farrar. And uh, in his book called Point Man, he made this statement. God made boys to be aggressive. We are to accept it and challenge, channel it. So what if you are a boy and you're not aggressive? What if you are a girl and you are aggressive? Those are messages that we have been given most of my life anyway, and maybe yours as well, and it shapes how we view ourselves and how we view other people. I really do love this image that Whitney Esquibel and our, on our staff sent to me and then shared online on Facebook. Boys can wear flowers, dance, wear pink, bake cakes, be scared, be artsy, be feminist, be kind, be a superhero. Author Glennon Doyle says the problem is that the parts of themselves that our boys have been banished from are not feminine traits, they are human traits. There is no such thing as a feminine quality, she says, because there's no such thing as masculinity or femininity. Femininity is just a set of human characteristics a culture pours into a bucket and slaps with the label feminine. Now, you may not agree with that, and that's really okay. Because that statement contradicts what many of us were raised with. And I get it if that kind of pushes against the grain a little bit on you. But it goes back to my question earlier, how many of our views are shaped by culture instead of by reality? I just want you to consider that. And you consider that with what I say. Because I am living in a particular culture that's different than the culture in which I was raised. And you have to consider what my views are out of that culture as well to see if it is reality. A 12-year-old boy stood in front of a coffin where his granddad was lying. It was the night before the memorial service and his parents wanted this 12-year-old boy to say goodbye to Grandpa. And when he did, he began to sob. And the 12-year-old boy felt the strong grip of his favorite uncle on his shoulder. And his uncle bent down and whispered, Chin up, soldier. Men don't cry. Later on, that 12-year-old boy heard the story about, or read the story of John chapter 11 about a man named Lazarus who died, and Jesus was a friend of Lazarus, showed up in the town that Lazarus lived and asked Lazarus' sisters to take him to the grave. They did. And standing there at the grave where Lazarus was buried, 
it is recorded that Jesus wept. A 12-year-old boy had read that story before. A 12-year-old boy had heard that story before. But in the context of his grandpa dying, he heard it for real. And what he heard were two voices. On one side, he heard the voice of his uncle, chin up, soldier, men don't cry. Then he heard the voice of spirit. He whispered, Jesus cried. My challenge for myself, maybe you want to accept this challenge too, is, is my view of gender shaped by truth, by reality, or shaped by my culture? I'm at that point where I really just almost don't give a rip anymore. If something that I've held on to is proven to be culturally conditioned instead of truth, I am so ready just to give that up. Just let it go. And I just ask you if you're ready to do that too. Or do we not really want truth? I don't know. The goal of Christianity and the goal of living out as a person, whatever gender we are, and as we're talking about Father's Day today, typically male, the goal is not to follow the pattern of John Wayne or Clint Eastwood or Tom Cruise. It really is to follow the way of Jesus. And I've got to ask myself, is my view shaped by Jesus or by my culture? The American Psychological Association, after a 40-year intense study, determined, they concluded, that holding on to traditional masculine, traditional cultural views of masculinity are harmful to everybody, especially to the men. They discover after this study that 90% of homicides in the United States are men, committed by men. Men represent 77% of homicide victims, and men are three and a half times more likely than women to die by suicide because real men don't ask for help. Real men don't express their feelings. We just bottle it up and it explodes. On May 16th, Daniel Defense of Gun Manufacturing Company posted this tweet. Uses the proverb, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That was May 16, just a few weeks ago. What does that image do to you? 
Does it rub you against, rub, rub, rub you the wrong way? Does it disturb you? Or are you saying, well, Philip, why are you making a deal out of that? Hmm. May, Sixteen, twenty twenty two. It was one week later that an eighteen year old with a weapon made by Daniel Defense killed nineteen children and two adults in Uvalde, Texas. The Remington Company has been around a long time, has this as their advertising, one of their advertising campaigns. Consider your man card reissued. You've been sissified, you've been feminized, but you get one of these and you're a man again. I just wonder today, what kind of masculinity are we training our children to embrace and to express? Is that what it means to be a man? Terence Reel, another, or rather, Paul, I jumped ahead because it's almost time to quit. Paul writes to the Galatians, but the fruit of the Spirit, he talks about the works of the flesh earlier. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. He's saying if everybody practiced those, we wouldn't really have to have many laws. Look at those qualities, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. Do you see those qualities as, in our culture, more masculine or more feminine? Yeah, yeah, both. As I look at those qualities, and I remember studying this stuff when I was a kid, junior high, these qualities that are supposed to be characteristic of all people who are living by spirit, those qualities really describe more of our culture's understanding of the feminine than of the masculine. Masculinity, oh, not gentle, and not patient, and not peaceful, but it was to be aggressive, warlike, angry even at times. What I want us to do is to understand that maybe we have seen through the eyes as we've looked at gender through the lens of culture and not through the lens of Christ. These are the characteristics of all people, regardless of the gender, who live by spirit. Your answer is right. Yes. All gender is to be characterized by that. Author and counselor Terence Reel says, boys don't hunger for fathers who will model traditional mores of masculinity, 
They hunger for fathers who will rescue them from it. They need fathers who have themselves emerged from the gauntlet of their own socialization with some degree of emotional intactness. Sons don't want their father's balls, they want their father's hearts. And for many, the heart of a father is a difficult item to come by. My question to you is, what will you do in yourself to create a healthy view of masculinity, a healthy view of all genders? Will you allow your view to be shaped more by Christ than by a culture? And it could be my view of masculinity as I see it through the lens or I'm trying to see through Christ is warped. It takes a community to talk about it, to work through it, to help each other understand it more clearly. And what can we do in our community to, for all of us to create a community where our views of genders are healthy and affirming and life-giving to everybody. It's really a special day, June 19, 2022. It's Father's Day. It's the middle of Pride Month. Uh, It's Pink Day. I want to recommend a really good book. Whitney, again, recommended this book, Whitney Esquivel, Pink is for Boys. I've always liked pink. I recommend a book because this is Juneteenth today, Liberty, Freedom Day, the day that uh, was recognized as the end of slavery. It was celebrated, it was recognized June 19 in Texas, uh, two years after President Lincoln had called for the end of slavery, and Texas is really slow. They didn't get the message. And uh, Free at Last. It's a great book for adults and for parents to read to their kids. The balloons that I have below are the colors of Juneteenth. And we celebrate that. We honor that today. And we embrace that celebration. Thank you all for working yesterday at the annual Juneteenth celebration in Springfield. Denise and I were in Branson doing a wedding. And uh, so we weren't able to be there, but thank you for being such uh, participants in things that affirm equality and uh, justice in our world. 